0: You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Next couple weeks, we're going to be diving into going deep, discipleship, engagement, evangelism, prayer, deep into 1 John. Are you ready to go through another book of the Bible? We've gone through Philippians, Ephesians, and we're going to go through 1 John. But let me give you some background on this, please, before we go any further this is written by the apostle, the disciple John. Now, John's an interesting guy, and I want you to fall in love with him because sometimes we don't talk about John a whole lot, but John dubbed himself in his own writings, in his own words, John thirteen twenty three. you can read it. He is the one whom Jesus loved. Everyone else, we're just second best, but he by far is greater than you and me. He also, in John 20, verse 4, he mentions that he outran Peter. So, just in case you were wondering about him, not only is he the one Jesus loved, but he's also faster than Peter. Now, some context here historians believe that he was much younger than Peter. So, if you're running after, you're trying to beat an older person, it's really not a whole lot of glamour in that. He was one of the inner three. We know that Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. And Peter was one of the three. They were three of the people that Jesus really spent a lot of deep, intimate moments with. We know he went to the mountain of transfiguration, a powerful time. But Jesus, this is pretty amazing. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the only record we have of anyone being there in his disciple group was John. In fact, Jesus on the cross looks to John and looks to his mother and essentially says, John, take care of my mother. And we know that John took care of Mary up to her death, and then John wrote some of the Bible here. We're gonna talk about this. He was known as the Apostle of Love, and he wrote 20% of the New Testament. So he wrote five books. He wrote the Book of John, obviously the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then he wrote Revelation. He's the only Apostle that died of natural causes. Everyone else was either tortured or martyred, but he was the only one that died of just being old. And, side note, he was boiled in oil and lived. So I want you to really, like, we, we don't talk about John a whole lot. We like Peter, and we like Paul, but John was the OG. John was the original. I mean, can you just imagine getting burned by oil and just be like, hey, man, they got so mad at him, they exiled him to an to a island of Patmos. We're like, if we can't burn him, let's put him away. And there he had an encounter with Jesus and wrote Revelation. So this guy just keeps coming back stronger and stronger. The letter of 1 John, which you have open here today, This is one of the three, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They're the oldest written books that we have of the canon that you have here right in front of you. This would have been written, if we looked at the Bible chronologically, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John would have been the last ones written after Revelation. Now, what we know about letters is that many times disciples would write them to a particular city, the city of Philippi or the city of Ephesus. This is a letter from John written to the church at large. And he's writing this. One major reason is because he's trying to dispel a cult that is birthed out of the body of Christ, something that's getting off and away from the real true gospel. And John, of course, walking with Jesus, knows very well what looks like Jesus and what doesn't look like Jesus and so this 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 cult is called Gnosticism G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M Gnosticism and this is really the belief is that the material world is evil and the spiritual world is good now I can get behind that unfortunately they kind of twisted it from there there were two different kinds of beliefs in Gnosticism one was that they denied Jesus's fleshly body So when Jesus was walking on the earth, he was really a spirit. So at any moment, you can kind of poke your finger through him, and he was kind of there, but he wasn't really there. And then the other belief in this whole cult was that they denied his divinity. So either way, there was a denial of biblical revelation. And that's why in the very beginning of 1 John, he defined, the legitimacy of Jesus and what they experienced with him firsthand. John comes right out of the gate saying, "This is who Jesus is and this is how I know it because I was with him." So you can't discount it. That's a hard case to to kind of fight against. I was there. I know who he is. There's themes throughout 1 John and the theme the theme presents itself in verse 4. It says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He wants your joy to be complete. And chapter 2, verse 1, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. And the biggest overarching theme of 1 John is that we can know that we are saved. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but many of us in this room, sometimes we've gotten to a place in our life where we actually said, are we really truly saved? John is actually saying, I'm going to give you indication of how you know that you are saved. Are you ready for that? So your Bibles, 1 John 1, if you turned it there already, we're going to jump around a little bit today. But we're going to get somewhere and we're going to land somewhere and then we're going to launch you off back into the world to change it for God's glory. Amen? Oh, okay. All right. So I'm going to get excited. I like that. It's all right to get excited. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So you know where I'm going with that. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, well, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, uh, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Jump down to chapter 2, verse 3. And by this we can know that we know him. We've come to know him if we keep his commandments. There it is. John just says it. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jump down to verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the father but it's from the world and the world is passing away with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever today I want to talk to you about title my message is light it up light I want you to light it up now some of you from the BC days that would have meant something completely different but now that you're saved we're going to light it up the right way amen I'm just keeping it real for some of you people in this room. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're here. We sang love songs to you, and now we want to hear back from you what you're saying about us. Lord, today we thank you that we stand with sanctity of life, whether it's in the womb all the way to the tomb. We believe that all life matters to you. And so today we specifically pray for our friends in Ukraine, Anya and Dima. We pray for protection. I thank you that they're experiencing miracles over there. Radical revival. I thank you, Lord, that there is an end to the war. In Jesus' name, we're declaring right now that Ukraine will have a massive God-breathed revival. Jesus' name. Oh, amen. Amen. John is an interesting fella. He was dubbed a nickname by Jesus. Now, how many know when you get a nickname from Jesus, that's pretty tremendous? Him and James were the sons of Zebedee. That was their dad's name, but that's also a cool name to a band. Not to be outdone by the nickname that Jesus gave him, which was the Sons of Thunder. Ha! Yeah! You know, it's kind of like a four. It's before Thor. Sons of Thunder. Now, that sounds really epic. I would have totally put that on the bass drum head. Where's Chris? That's what the name of our band would have been. Sons of Thunder. We would have had T-shirts. We would have rocked out the Thunderheads. We would have called our crew. You think it's funny, but the reality is, is I'm not sure it was a good thing because for some reason he had a thunderous, him and James had a thunderous temper. How do we know that? Well, I'll give you an example. Luke nine kind of gives us an insight into why Jesus maybe said that it might've been more of a term of endearment, like, Oh, you guys, because in Luke nine, there was a group of Samaritans that didn't welcome Jesus into his village. And so James and John, the brothers, the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Jesus says, oh, you sons of thunder. Silly guys. We're here to bring life, not to burn people up. So John, that in his youthful vigor and his zeal for the word and his zeal for God, he, he kind of said some things that were a little crazy. But how many know as you get older? older people in this room, you get a little more wiser. You don't really get jumped to conclusions so much. You don't really do things haphazardly. You think them through. John, as he's older now, writing first John, I believe he's getting more to what really matters, and so he comes to this, instead of being a son of thunder, I think he's now more of like the old man of aches and pains. That's really what he would have dubbed himself. I mean, he was boiled in oil, by the way. So the reality is is his, his message here out of the get-go is light. It's light. He's talking about light. I don't know if you've ever been in a room where light has been taken out by darkness. It never happens. The only time that ever happens is you run out of batteries in your light. But the reality is, is light always, in every case, overcomes darkness. Every case. And so John is making mention of this, and I really believe he's giving us a parallel to what we see in light, to what we know in the spirit realm. Number one, we must walk in the light to have a relationship with God. You can't just talk about God, you actually have to be in relationship with him. And here's the deal, you can't be in relationship with God and be in darkness. So John's saying one of the first things is you gotta walk in the light, as he is in the light. You gotta shine like the stars in the heavens. We must walk in the light, number two, to have fellowship with others. The word fellowship, I always get a kick out of it. Some of you know that always reminds me of a Hobbit movie. We're going to have fellowship, you know, little hobbits walking around and all that kind of stuff. But fellowship is really important to the kingdom. And let me say this. After 2020, people that are really much smarter than I are studying culture, and they're saying that people are now starting to feel the residue of 2020. Two years later, Lori, two years later, people are now walking in fear, they're walking, hap- they're, they're not sure how to trust people anymore. The new curse word is COVID. You say that, people are like, I'm out, I'm out. Who has it? Where's it coming from? What's happening? And the reality is we walk in fear. And so I might pose to you this, that the church did more fellowship with one another in 2019 than we do in 2022. We're afraid. But John is saying, in order to have fellowship with others, you gotta walk in the light. You won't be able to do it on your own. You can't hang out with people in darkness, but you can in the light. And number three, we must walk in the light to have a cleansing from our sin. Now this is huge because I know this, darkness hides issues. It does, man. Darkness is deceptive because it makes us believe that the issues aren't that bad. Let me give you an example. Can we shut the lights off, Brian, if you would? I wanna show you, don't be scared, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna be all right, we're gonna shut all the lights off, there we go. Now there's still lights on the TV so you can see a little bit, but the thing that's so interesting about darkness is you don't see all the stains on the carpet, you can't see them, looks good. You don't see the imperfections in the wall, you don't see all the cables that are not really focused and, and rolled up the right way. You don't see all the stains on the seats Notice there's a lot of stains I'm talking about. Can you tell where I dwell? I'm a stain man, I have a lot of stains. Anyway, the reality is is darkness does a really good job of hiding things. Brian, you can turn it back on. Darkness does a really, and so we love sometimes, I'm gonna be real with you, we love darkness, why? Because we can hide things from other people. I'll give you an example, and I know none of you do this, actually every one of you do this, whoever has someone over, over their house, you already know where I'm going. You know, I didn't even share this yet last time. But when you have people over your house, what do you do? You clean up. And there's always a closet that gets everything. You put your kids in there. Put last night's dinner, you put leftovers. And, and you're just praying that nobody thinks that's the bathroom, opens it up, and they, everything falls on them. This is where you keep all your junk. We all have that. In fact, many of us, we, we, we do that in rooms, right? And we just pray nobody wants a tour of the house. You know, you don't want to go in the bedroom. That's where all the trash is. The reality is, is we do that in the natural, but we do that in the supernatural. We do that in our own lives. We hide things where people can't get to. And as soon as they get close to it and the lights start to creep on, we, we bug out. We're out. I'm out. And John knows this because he knows darkness hides things. But he says this from the very get-go. We aren't sinless. Church, we're not, sin- we're not perfected. We're not perfected yet. We will be one day. But he also says we are to confess our sins. Repentance. Light brings repentance, and it brings dependency on him. Can't just make excuses anymore. And this is what he says. Here, you can write this down. How do we know we are saved? We strive to keep his commandments. If you have no desire to follow the Lord, you very well aren't saved. Because when you know Jesus, you want to follow his commandments. You want to live them out. There's two systems at work, say two. Two systems at work, the system of love, the kingdom of love, and the kingdom of lust. Two systems. And John mentions these three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I want you to get this, this is so important right now because what John does right there is he gives us a huge up on the enemy. He tells you right now the three tactics The enemy uses against you to destroy you. Right there. You write that down. I'm telling you, if you will know this, you can overcome some of those sin things in your life. I'm telling you, the enemy does not have a lot of bags of tricks. We give him too much credit. We tell him that he is so, oh, he's been haunting us for years, but he's using the same tricks. Lust of the flesh, what is it? It's a temptation or sin that appeals to our carnal and physical appetites. Sexual sin, addictions gluttony, materialism, gossip. I'm just telling you this so you can pray. (laughs) Idolatry. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. It's to look at things that we were forbidden to see. Lust of the eyes includes visualizing and fantasizing about things God told us not to think about. It involves seeing and desiring something that's not ours, it's someone else's, but we want it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The temptation and desire for power, personal recognition, more followers on Instagram. Oh, I just added that part. I think, I don't know if John knew about that stuff, but that is the pride. I'm telling you, pride has been ramped up. And personal glory. The pride of life is also when someone believes he or she is better or superior than others based on acquired material possessions, social status, education skin color, whatever you want, pride of life, the three things. Now, how do I know they're important? How do I know the enemy's been using them? Because it's the first sin recorded in the Bible. Genesis 3, the enemy comes after Eve first. And Genesis 3, 6 says this, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, pride of life, she took of its fruit and ate. Oh, it gets better because the enemy comes with the same tactics to the Son of God. I mean, what audacity. I'm going to try to get Jesus. Luke 4. Jesus is in the wilderness 40 days. He's hungry. He's been fasting. He just got baptized. He's been imparted with the Holy Spirit. He is is hearing from the Lord and the enemy kind of creeps in. Hey, Jesus. Wow. He does the same thing. First, temptation. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become your bread. Your physical desires can be met, lust of the flesh. Second one, takes him, to, takes him and shows him a prophetic vision. Listen to this. In one moment, it says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth from back then all the way to now, to the future, every kingdom, and he says to Jesus, he says, listen, I have been given authority over all of this. Everything you see can be yours if you will worship me. Lust of the eyes. And number three, he says to Jesus, he takes him to Jerusalem on top of the temple. He says, Jesus, because of who you are, Because you are a big deal in heaven. God is required to save you. So if you jump yourself off this building, he'll send angels to protect you. Because do you know who you are? Pride of life. God will do whatever you ask of him because you are who you are. And Jesus, here's the interesting thing. Jesus, this is the dropped mic moment. If Jesus had a mic in the the wilderness and a PA announcement system, he would have been like, this is how he announced it. He said, do not put the Lord God to the test. That's it. Now here's the interesting thing about that because the enemy is quoting scripture the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Might I pose to you that many times we love and justify our sin by using scripture to back it up. You, you don't believe me? Let me give you an example. God will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah, yes god will give you desire 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 we all claim that scripture but do you know that in psalms 37:4 there is a part to the beginning of it it says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart delight be in the light live in the light because if you delight yourself in the lord your desires will be different You won't ask for things that don't back up who he is. Some of you have been trying to get God to give you that man, give you that woman, do those things. And God's like, that isn't the right person. But if you delight in me, I will show you. I will change your desires. See, that's the thing. We want God to be who we want him to be instead of us being transformed in the light to being more like him. So now when we pray, God says, you're already in my will. I'm already at work. I'm already giving you the desires because everything has changed. So I want you to write this down. If you don't listen to anything else, you don't remember anything else I said today, shame on you. No, if you don't listen to anything else, I want you to write this down. Living in the light means we don't have our own rights. Now, I love it because the, 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 the people that always amen me, the Sandys, the Tims, everybody, they were amening. But the rest of you are like, no, 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 this ain't good. Now, now, hold on a second, Sandy. Don't say this is good. This is horrible. Why? Because we are Western Christianity culture. And we've been taught that we have rights. We fight for our rights. Even if they're wrong, they're still right. They're right to me. You're wrong. I'm right. There ain't no left. It's always right. And listen, that has crept into the church. But what you don't know is when you gave your life over to Christ, see, some of you, you, you came down to the altar because you thought, I'm going to get out of hell. Yeah, yeah, okay, come on, man, I'm coming up. I'll make all your dreams come true. I'm coming up to, I'm going to receive Jesus. What I wish we would have said was, come up here and lose everything that you have right now. People would be like, well, well, I don't know. I like what I do on Saturday nights. I'm not really sure. How many know that when you sign up, when you give your life to Jesus, when you become saved, delivered, and set free, you give over your rights. You no longer have a say. See, that doesn't preach. And If you go anywhere else, they're used to it. Persecuted church, they're like, amen, we, that's what we do every day. But as the culture we live in, we celebrate lust. We celebrate pride. In fact, the more prideful you are, that's why we have Pride Month. I'm just going to put that out there and then erase it later. No, I'm just kidding. You keep that in there. I don't care. Listen, the reality is why? Because we want to be whatever we want to be. I want to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to be proud about it. But let me give you some some sentences that we say that sound good. We've all done it. I've done it too. But it's completely anti-biblical. You ready? You can do anything you want. You can have anything you desire. And you can be anything you like not the one in my scripture. Because how many know that if I had the choice to believe in whatever I want to believe, I'd get it all wrong. So let me say something to you, church, in Western culture, and I know this is a, you're like, man, this guy came back after all those weeks and brings this tough message? Why don't you talk about joy or something, happy? Because I want the church to be whole. Not interested in making you feel good. I'm interested in helping us look more like him. Because the reality is, is we don't have a right to have an opinion on the issues of today. Notice I said an opinion. I don't get to make up my own narrative when it comes to abortion when it comes to the LGBTQ community, how we treat people that are different, how I view sex, how we vote, how we teach our kids, what I look for in a spouse, and the things I get to watch and listen to or participate in because we don't have rights because if I had a right to do whatever I wanted to do, we would be greatly messed up because our sinful nature would destroy us every time. So when I hear the church telling us what to think and what to do contrary to the word of God, it is not, From him, it is an anti-Christ spirit. There should not be any debate. Now we can say, okay, this is a style of worship I like. That's okay. I like a pastor who stops moving as much as this guy does. That's okay. I wish he would wear a suit and tie. That's okay. But when it comes to the word of God, there is no debate. You don't get a choice. You signed into this and I'm telling you right now, will you say, Pastor Mark, but, but, but that, that hurts. But here's what I would say, Tim, if I could say to you, Tim, you can drive as fast as you want, you can take whatever you want, you can live in any house on your block you want, you can hurt whoever you want. How many know that Tim's life, although that sounds like he's got freedom, is actually bondage, why? Because allowing us to do, have, and be whatever we want is actually causing us to be in bondage to our desires. So when we think we're free because we have rights, we're actually in bondage to the enemy. He does the doke on you. You think, oh, come, come, you can have freedom. In fact, many of us say, well, it says in scripture, John 8 36, who the Son says free is free indeed. Yes, because the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. When you give over yourself to Jesus, you get a renewed sense of who you are, and he then begins to say, My ways are higher my plans are better don't go back to the old ways the enemy makes you think oh he does he makes you think this is a better fruit come on now Eve this is a fruit you want this tree every tree in the garden was delicious every tree looked great there was no sin but for some reason there were two trees and the enemy's like come on over here get that tree right there of all the trees we do it all the time what's that tree in your life you keep picking fruit from. We are to light it up. Light it up. Here's pin. Drop pin. Let me go off cuff for a minute. I think today that God is asking some of us in this room, if not all of us, are we willing to let go of things in our life? Because the reality is, is it don't matter how great you look and how long you've been a saved and a Christian, there's something in the dark. There's something. Listen, as much as I try to clean my house, there's always that one floorboard that has dirt on it. And all the girls in my house, there's one part of the floor that has a big hairball. (laughs) No matter how bad I clean it. Why? Because things build up. Clutter happens. Sin is crouching at our door. It, it is waiting to kill, steal, and destroy you. But the only way, the only way you'll overcome sin is by exposing it to light. This is why people fear coming forward for prayer. Because what if I share what I'm sharing, what I'm going through, and, and, and somebody manipulates it. Well, what if you share it, and just the fact that you get it out exposed to light breaks through something that you've been struggling for 20 years to overcome. For many of us, we think nobody can understand this. Scripture says Jesus was tempted in every way. So even what you're going through, Jesus went through. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand the people. But he's been with us. He walks with us. So I want to share with you these last three things. We're going to land this plane, we're going to get out. You're going to go affect the world. How to shine brighter. Church, we got to shine brighter. Turn to somebody next to you and say, You got to do some more bright shining. It's not even a real sentence, not a complete thought. <laughs> number one, develop deeper relationships. Oh, if you're an introvert, <laughs> this is, woo, that could have been number three because I don't like that one. You got to go deeper with God and with other people. John talks about this. First John 6, it says, if we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. You can't say you love God and love darkness. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's why you're here today. Because you're attracted to light. You're attracted to the presence of God. Number two, got to live the commandments, not the suggestions. Woo! <laughs> But it's a little white light. No, I don't understand where the color has anything to do with it. <laughs> you, know, you know, but I could sleep with my girlfriend. I mean, because, you know, we love one another. I don't know. In my commandments, it says no fornication or adultery. I don't know. It says honor your father and mother. But you don't know who they are. Well, I, I, all I'm saying is, is they're not suggestions. The commandments bring forth life. And when you love Jesus, you love what he says. Yeah. It's not a condemnation. It's actually life-giving. Why? Chapter two, verse four, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Let's be people of the word. Let's not be hypocrites anymore. We're looking. Don't you just hate how our nation right now is picking on Christianity? I mean, they're looking for us to do one bad thing that we slip up. Here's the deal. We give them a lot of material to work with. But wouldn't it be refreshing somebody got up on the news, maybe made it somehow, they broadcasted it on all the networks. Say, listen, I love Jesus. I love his commandments. I know that he's for me, not against me. I'm going to make mistakes because even John talks about this, but I know that I'm trying to live in the light. And I want to live in the light so that I can be an example of who Jesus is so that you can see the beauty of who he is. Can you imagine what that would do? People are like, so you're real. I'm real. But I'm also trying my best. I got the Holy Spirit. And that's number three. We got to fight this lust fight. I just shared with you the three things the enemy's coming after you. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's it, man. I've just exposed his tactic. Don't say, I I didn't know he was going to get me this way. (laughs) I didn't know he was going to trick me. No, I'm telling you right now, he is coming after you. Verse 15 of chapter 2. John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We have to light it up. Now, I know this. If you want to attract bugs, what do you do? You put a bright light out. So let me just say this to you. If you're truly lit for Jesus, come on now. Come on now. I dabbed and said lit at the same time. Total dad move. If you're truly lit for Jesus, you will attract bugs. And what I mean by that is if your life, everywhere you go seems to be broken people are coming to you asking for help, it's because you're lighting it up. If you haven't had one single person come to you and ask you how you're doing, what you're doing, maybe it's because you're not really lit. Jesus was so full of light that he went to the broken people instead of ran away from them. He wasn't scared that he would be extinguished. He actually believed that because he's so full of light, he can step into dark places and change the trajectory of where people were going. Church, can I just say this? In the deep discipleship, engagement, evangelism, prayer, I want to see the E, the evangelism, cranked up in this church. I'm not scared of broken people. What I am scared is a church that's lazy. I'm scared of myself becoming complacent because I don't want to get dirty. I don't want my hands to get dirty. I don't want to do the work. Jesus, you do the work. Or just come back. How many of us have prayed that prayer the last two years? I'm ready, Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm not ready because there's still people that I want to see come to know me. So until we get our job going, I'm going to stay up here and you're going to get to work down there. So what I'm saying today is, church, we have to get this worked on. The son of thunder saying this. Consider the son of lightning now telling you. I just dubbed myself a, a name. I just gave myself a name. I don't even know if that's good. I'm not sure what that means of that. But, Lord, right now, just close your eyes if you would. I, I love talking. I can't wait to do it again. I really love you guys, man. Lord, right now, we just remove all the darkness in us tonight. Today, we ask, Holy Spirit, that if there's anything in us that doesn't look like you, smell like you, feel like you, taste like you, then get it out. We're ready. We, we need the surgery, we need the great surgeon to come. Take that pride, take that anger, take that addiction, take that bitterness, take that unforgiveness. Come on now, I need you to get it out because I want to look like you so that the world can feel the presence of God. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.